right, welcome to another episode of Dose of Dividends. I'm your host, Dr. Dividend, and today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Tom, aka the Frugal Gay. Tom, what's going on, my man? Not much. How are you? Doing pretty good, man. Thanks for asking. So some of you guys might have seen him on Twitter. He's the real estate man. Tom, just tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am 40 years old. I just left my nine to five earlier this year when I was 39. Yeah, that was that's huge. Being in a spot where you can leave your job and just live off of dividends or rental income or my eBay business is is huge. And I've been working on that for many years, but I finally hit it this year. I have 21 rental properties between Dallas, Texas and Toledo, Ohio. And um, I do have some dividend income, but it's pathetic when you look at how much (laughs) I'm bringing in from rentals. And then I have an eBay business that is also a passive income that comes in. Dude, I'm glad you mentioned the eBay business because I was going to ask you about that. Over here with the dividends, man, any dividends is better than no dividends. So I'm glad to hear you're part of the dividends. And I, I think I'll hit I think I'll hit 200 a month this year. I should, by the end awesome. of the year, hit 200 a month. And and my goal was 300 a month by the end of the year. But we're, we're, we're making progress. Yeah, that's nothing to sneeze at, man. So good for you, dude. So I'd love to hear more about the real estate. When did you get into real estate? I bought the first one at 21 and I didn't buy it with the end goal in mind. I bought it at 21. I was working at the Gap. I was making 850 an hour and I bought it because I didn't want to pay. I think my rent was 450 back then and I didn't want to pay 450 in rent and I went and got pre-approved. I had been buying Gap stock with a employee purchase plan since I was 18 and I cashed in all my gap stock and I used it as my down payment. I had a $9,000 down payment and then I had $1,000 in closing cost. I had about $10,000 at that time in gap stock. So I bought this duplex. I lived upstairs in the ugly unit and I rented out the, the nice pretty unit downstairs. I inherited a tenant. She was paying $600 and my mortgage, my tax and my insurance was $738. So I didn't know anywhere I could live for $138. And that was, that was how it started. It started with that purchase and that one went really well. And then I purchased another one a year later and it, it was a money pit from start to finish. So you can start off strong. You just, it was one of those that I bought at the height of the market and I had bad tenants and I didn't have systems in place. And every year I owned it, I lost a little money. And when I finally sold it, I sold it 10 years later. I was so excited to sign that check on my birthday and get that thing out of my name because it sold on my birthday. So that's awesome, man, that you house hacked the first house. Whereabouts was that first house? I still own it. It's in Toledo, Ohio. It's wow. my door. It's my door one and two. That's got to be like close to home and see that thing grow over the years. That's amazing. At this point, I've done everything to it. So it's one of my, I make good money from it. It's paid off. I've done the siding and the windows and the furnace and all that stuff now. So it's one of those that I really enjoy owning because I'm never like, oh, I'm going to have to replace this soon. I've done everything in this house at this point. So I know that I don't have anything creeping down the aisle to mess up my cash flow. That's amazing. House number two, I'm really interested in now is that you that you kind of said it was a money pit. It's tough to get rid of. You had it for 10 years, you said? I owned it for 10 years. I lost money on it every year. I owned it and I actually sold it for 22,000 less than what I bought it for. I bought it in 2005 and I sold it in 2015 and it was in Cleveland, Ohio. I wanted to be close to family. I had no business buying it. I used my whole emergency fund to buy it. It was just one of those, again, I didn't, I had better systems in Toledo because I went to college there. So I knew people that could do plumbing, that could do Mm -hmm. HVAC. 
And I didn't have any of that in Cleveland. So it was one of those that it's exactly why the housing crisis happened. I should have never been approved to buy this house because I was still working at the Gap making a 50 an hour, but I didn't let it go. Like a lot of people, I just kept paying and losing money on it every year. And then I finally, by 2015, it had, it had really dropped in price and then it was starting to, to creep back up by 2015. So that's when I sold it. Yeah, it's hard because you put your heart and soul into it. You don't want to sell at a loss. And so like, it's the same thing with investing. You feel like you did all the research on the stock and the stock keeps going down and keeps going down. And it's like, you really don't want to sell it, but sometimes you just have to bite the bullet before it gets worse. And I'm sure in housing, it's even harder because I can press sell on my phone for a stock. It's much harder to do that for a house. So really interesting. So you think the biggest thing was just having the plan in place and the systems in place, or do you think more contributed to it? The locate. I just bought it. I didn't do my homework on this one. Like I, I felt good with the first one. The second one was rushed. I remember when I was moving into it. I remember signing the application and paperwork while I was picking up the keys. It was like a real simple, easy process back then. It was nothing like it is today. So, so when I got to that third property that I bought in Dallas, and they were asking for all this stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is foreign compared to what I did for the first two houses. So yeah, I just I went at it unprepared and it cost me a lot of money and I learned that lesson and I won't do it again. Yeah. Sometimes you got to learn it the hard way. Was the second house an investment property that you were looking for or were you looking to live in that one and solely rent out the first one? I was going to, yeah, I was going to solely rent out the first one. It was cash flow positive. So it, that one also dropped in price a lot in 2008 and nine, um, yeah, but then it rebounded by by 2016, but it, it was cash flow positive from the day one. Even with at that time, I had a 6.875% interest. So when people talk to me about these high rates, I'm like, I've already been there and I've done it and I get it. Wow. Um, but, but the second one was going to be a primary residence. And then I got a job out of the state and I held on to it as a rental and I was renting it, I think for six or $700. And I think my, my payment was seven or $800. So I was already losing a thousand or a hundred dollars a month just by renting it. But I learned from that one. Yeah. You live and you learn. So is that how you ended up in Dallas, that job offer? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, um, come to Dallas. And that's also, they're like, come to Dallas for six months. We'll, we'll get you, get you back up to Ohio. And that never happened. And that was also why I agreed to rent it for a hundred dollars less than what my payment was a month was because I'm like, well, I'll be back and I can do this for six months or a year while I'm down here. And I have not been back to Ohio. I mean, I've been into Ohio, but I have never moved back to Ohio. Again, I guess. Is there any big difference between buying houses in Ohio and buying houses in Dallas? Because I know you own a few in both. So I have a lot more money invested in Dallas with my seven doors in Dallas. And I have 14 doors in Ohio now and the property tax and the property value and the types of houses that we buy down here in Texas are crazy different. Like I have a $440,000 house down here in Texas and I make about the same that I do on a $26,000 house that I have in Toledo. They both cash flow the same amount of money. That's amazing. So yeah, it's like, why would you ever want to buy something in Texas, but Texas has the appreciation here, which is why I'm split between the two, because that 440,000 will continue to go up. And that 26,000 will probably be, you know, 29,000 when I go and sell it whenever I'm ready. Are you looking to unload or are you like more of a get a tenant in and hold for the long term kind of hold for the, hold for the yeah. long term? I, I bought um, I've bought five this year um, since I quit my job. 
and four of them I bought in cash and three of them are currently producing income. Two of them are left and I'm going up to Ohio next week to do a final walkthrough on one of them and put it up for rent so we can get it rented before the end of the year. And the other one, we just started putting in flooring yesterday on it. So that should be done close by the end of December or end of November rather. That's awesome. Working at Home Depot growing up, I have a little bit of flooring experience. <laughs> so yeah, I know, I know what kind of job that entails. So awesome, dude. Is there anything that pushed you into real estate? I know you mentioned the house hacking and you wanted to live cheaper and a mortgage for 138 bucks. Uh, was there anything else that pushed you to continue in real estate? So when I, yeah, it was, it was the desire to not pay rent. So I rented when I moved to Dallas and I think at that time it was like 675 and I'm like, man, I can't pay this 675. So my first place in Dallas, I house hacked again. It was a condo because I couldn't, they didn't have duplexes like they have up in Ohio. And I bought a condo for $26,000 and it was a two bedroom, two baths. And I got a roommate in one and my mortgage was like 475 bucks. And my roommate was paying me 600 bucks in rent. So I just had to cover the rest of the bills, but it was a great way to live rent free virtually and, and live as inexpensive as I could. It really is such a wealth creating vehicle and you do it the right way and it just pays for itself. And that's, that's awesome. I'm sure you have, just like we do as stock investors, we have a criteria for our A plus setups and we don't want to put our money in until we did all our homework and we find that it's the right time. Real estate, what does an A plus setup look like for you? So neighborhoods are graded, probably similar to how stocks are. And I'm always looking at the C and B. I have two A class neighborhoods. And I do have a D-class. That's my $26,000 house in Toledo. So my setup or my favorite type of house right now is a three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage because it's the most desirable. There's a lot of profit in there. So that's always what I'm looking for, especially in Texas. Toledo, it's a little bit different criteria. I want to be in certain zip codes in certain neighborhoods that I know are desirable and rentable. And that's one thing that people mess up on a lot is that they see these cheap prices and they'll buy a house to buy a house. And you don't want to buy a house without knowing the neighborhood and knowing if someone actually wants to live there. And that's always one thing that I say to people. I'm like, if you don't want to live in it, you shouldn't be putting your money in it. And I'm sure you do the same thing with stock. You know, if it's something that you wouldn't use or don't believe in, then don't put your money in it. Um, so that's kind of my criteria. This, I, the one that we're working on right now, it's a three bedroom, one bath, one car garage. Do you prefer coming in and reviving the houses that are just dilapidated or would you rather have something move in ready? How do you, do you find more value in the bare bones ones? Absolutely. I've done a crack house. I've done a hoarder house last year in all my years. The house that we moved into last year is my primary residence. It's the first time, and I kind of sat here, I'm like, this is the first time that I bought a house that I could actually move into on the same day that I bought it. And it was ugly, and we've been working, we're still working on it. We're doing lighting right now on my, my primary residence. But yeah, I prefer to add the value myself and do what I can myself and improve the properties. So a lot of what, like the one that we bought back in August, it was a foreclosure that had been up for five or six months. It was super ugly, but it had really good bones. And I think people couldn't get beyond how ugly it was. And we threw in a low offer and I didn't expect the bank to accept it. And they came back a day later and they accepted it. So yeah, I prefer to fix them and do them myself and make them nice. Typically, and, and the realtors in both states that I work with know that if it's move-in ready, it's something that I don't even want to look at. Interesting. 
So when I see the billboards that say we buy ugly houses and it has a phone number on it, is that your phone number? I haven't called it. <laughs> it's not my phone number. I have not done that. I haven't even done as much cold calling as a lot of investors do, but I have gotten like, there's one this year that I got from a business card that I passed out. I passed it out to him in 2019 and he's like, Hey, my dad died. Do you want this house? And he reached out, you know, three years later and same with the hoarder house. That was another one where his mother-in-law had passed and he didn't want to deal with it. And he passed it on to us. You just never know how they're going to come up, huh? Exactly. That's amazing. So did earlier real estate purchases fund your other real estate purchases or was there some other money coming in? eBay was the huge catalyst in that because I did not make enough at the movie theater where I worked for 15 years to really purchase a property every year. So eBay was always my down payments or my remodel money. And that was kind of what funded me. And I I did eBay since I was in college out of necessity, like I didn't have enough money for books one year. So I started buying purses and reselling purses. And I just focused on small and expensive items. And those purses were $1.50. So that's where I started. And I have not pivoted from that because I know it works. And I know if I can't sell those ugly purses, I'm only in them, you know, $50 on on a couple of ugly purses is not going to break the bank. So I've focused in on small and expensive items like bras and purses and lotions and those types of discontinued things. And that's how I've been able to continuously buy the real estate. Yeah. And once it's in your veins and you know that proof of concept, it's hard to give it up and you know, it's still working. There's not many things more passive than put something on eBay, sell it, ship it. And that's awesome. What kind of stuff do you, well, you told us what you focus on. What does the best? I'm curious what product. Um, so right now it's discontinued makeup. Like that's what I shipped out today and it's discontinued colors. People are super loyal to that kind of stuff and you don't even realize it. But when they discontinue that certain color, people are going to be looking for that in about six months. And same with scents and same with, um, I was uh, talking with a guy today. I had all these Axe deodorants that I bought at the 99 cent store a couple of years ago. And I found a case of them. It's a discontinued scent and I'm selling them for 20 bucks a Axe because people are used to that and want it. And Dude, that's a, that's a gold mine right there, man. I gotta say, man, you are a hustler through and through. You do it, man. That is awesome. What's one piece of advice you would give to yourself starting again at 21 years old? Starting again at 21, you have to have systems in place and a better plan. And the other thing, while I was moving into this house, I found a notebook from 2011 of houses that I was looking at at the time and the asking price and what I would have to do to fix them. And I passed on so many, like I, if I could have went in on a couple more properties early on, I would have been out of that job five years earlier because I just, I, and that's, you know, you can't tell the future. You don't know that this $12,000 house is going to be worth $150,000 out 10 years, but that's how some of them worked out. So it was pretty hard when I looked at those addresses and looked them up and saw what they're selling for now. So I think that's important. Like everyone keeps sending me DMs. They're like, should we be buying houses now? Should we not be buying houses? And I mean, if the deal makes sense right now at at 7% interest, my answer is yes. If you can make the numbers make sense for you, yes. And and you know what? If the price falls, it will rebound again because I've gone through the cycle before. And you know that from stocks that, you know, it's crappy right now and we're down a ton for the year, but I'm still buying stocks. I'm still buying properties. I'm still buying resale merchandise because I know the cycle and and how it goes. And you just have to get through the bad to get to the good. 
And if you believe in the long-term success of an asset, you got to keep buying. There's no way around it. What do you say to the person that has no landlord experience and is worried about tenants? It depends on how much profit's in there. I think it's good for you to, even though it's kind of a pain in the butt, but I think it's good for you to have a little bit of landlording experience. So if you can do it yourself for a year, I would encourage that. But if you're like, I don't want to deal with any of that. I mean, there's property managers out there. There's resources for property managers. So if you're like, I don't know who to hire, you can jump on bigger pockets and look at reviews of different landlords on there and and pick one out and still make it work. So I think it's good to have that experience so you understand what the property managers are supposed to be doing. But if you're just like dead set, I don't want to be a landlord. I don't want a 2 a.m. call, which I got to tell you in 18, 19 years of doing this, I don't have a lot of 2 a.m. calls. I did have one crazy tenant who kept calling me all night long, but that was a whole different, that wasn't like I needed to go there right away. It was the tenant didn't have rent and was obsessing about the fact that they didn't have rent. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I would encourage you to try it and trial by error. I made a ton of mistakes early on. My first eviction was, was one of those that I had let it balloon so long and so much money. And I kept waiting for checks to come that never came. And this was back before Zelle and Cash App and all the, the resources that we have now. But I got like two bad bounce checks in a row. And you would have thought that I would have learned my lesson after that, not cash another check. But I sure did try to cash that third check that bounced. And that was the last time that I got that $20 bounce check fee. So I think you can do it. And it's trial by error. And that's how I've done it for the past 18 and 19 years. And I'm not making any of those mistakes now. I don't take any personal checks at all. It's got to be a money order or cashier's check or something like that. But if you don't like people, I would encourage you not to do it. And that's why I tweet that a lot. Like if you can't handle people in general, but this is how I generate income now. And this is why I'm able to leave my job is because I currently have 19 people paying me rent. I have another person paying me a mortgage because I did do a, a rent to own with one of my tenants who was a real good tenant. And it's been my way to get out of doing a nine to five on a regular basis and own my time and be able to fill my calendar with things that are important to me. Yeah. And I find that while I'm working towards financial freedom the same way, I was doing it more through stocks, but I am super interested in real estate. Like, like I said, I have no real landlord experience. And I find that the leverage that you can pull in real estate to get ahead is just unmatched. And landed houses are such a hard asset year after year, they're still respected and there's a lot less speculation in there. So people aren't worried about the house's earnings. You don't have the whole public worrying about what the house is going to do. It's just you, your tenant and what you got to do in the house. So I do find real estate such a powerful wealth vehicle. As far as fixing stuff around the houses, do you have any experience with that? You kind of just learned it on the job. Learned it on the job. I mean, I helped my contractor um, a couple of weeks ago install a um, garbage disposal by watching a YouTube video with him. I mean, we watched it together because he's like, I can't figure it out. Just return it. It's broke. And I'm like, it's not broke. It just came out of the box. We watched a YouTube video and we figured it out. So some of that, I mean, and then there's little stuff that I do. Like I'll help with the trash outs. I'll do some painting. I'll do, you know, I'll project manage it and pick up supplies and pick finishes. And you'll learn really quick that you don't necessarily want to buy the cheapest stuff. You want to buy the stuff that's going to last. So it actually is, it saves you a lot of money buying the $99 Moen faucet versus the $29 faucet that's going to 
break after a year. Right. And, and that was another one that was kind of trial by error. You're going to learn that you're not really saving anything by buying a $29 faucet. You're just going to have to buy it again and again and again. So you're going to spend way more than if you just bought that, that nicer brand faucet or, or any of that. You know, starting, that's one of those, I have a, a tweet that I like to share a lot where it's like, if you want to get started in real estate, but you have no money and, and that this is what I do and start building a network now before you even need it. Like if you know, you're going to be in this neighborhood, start, you know, just having conversations with people. Do you have a, a plumber? And even if you already have a plumber, get another plumber and, and just, you know, as you meet people and you network and you're out at a bar or you're having a conversation with someone or you're talking to a server at the restaurant and her boyfriend works at this electrician, you know, those are the ways to kind of grow your network and keep your ass covered. So when you do have that property, you're like, Hey, I know so-and-so who does electricity down here. And that has helped me 99% of the time with my, my binds. Cause if I can't get my property manager there and I've got a flood happening, Hey, I can get my tile guy over there. Or I can get my landscaper to go and turn off the water for me or something. So it, it, makes the tenants at ease and it helps me because I know I have 15 other people that I can call if I don't get an answer from one. Right. And you never know when those connections are going to come back just like that business card. That's awesome, man. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Last real estate question for you. What do you say to the people who live in very expensive real estate areas? How do you find the deals or do you just go elsewhere? Not always, but I mean, I, I worked with a client on, on my coaching and we bought in, he was right outside of downtown Los Angeles. He was a server and he bought a $475,000 condo that he house hacked and he rented out. So it was a one bedroom, but it had a loft on it. So he stayed in the loft. He rented out the one bedroom. So I look at what would make sense and just say you're not in downtown Los Angeles and you're in an even more expensive saturated area. Where can you generate income? Because that's what, like when I bought that property for 25,000 back in August, I'm like, how much, if I put 25,000 into it and I put another 15,000 into repair it, what's this $40,000 going to generate for me? So maybe you don't start in your area. Cause I know I get this a lot from people from Canada and they're like, there's nothing here. Yeah, and I know people in Canada that are buying in Ohio, that are buying in Michigan, that are buying around the country and still making money. So I think that that roadblock, you know, with the exception of, I would always encourage you if you're currently renting to try and find something where you can house hack kind of like the guy in, in Los Angeles. But if that's not something that you want to do, then you can generate it and be a out of state landlord because there's a lot of people doing it and there's a lot of people making money that way. Yeah. How do you, man do you just have a good property manager in place in Ohio? I have two property managers in Ohio. I have three doors with one of them. And then I have 11 with another and I do the two just so if I have a problem with one, I can bounce a property to the other. And that generally keeps them on their toes. Interesting. All right. For the dividend lovers out there, what's your number one dividend stock? I got to ask. Oh God, that's a tough one. Um, I think it's Fang, F-A-N-G. It's an energy stock and it's just one of those that I bought at the right price and at the right time. And I continue to just dump money into it every chance that I get, and it continues to generate income for me. Well, you're in the right sector for 2022 investing because energy is on fire. Love that. That's Thank the you. only thing holding my yeah. portfolio up at this point is energy. It's, everything else is just a dumpster fire at this point. <laughs> well, if you saw Amazon after hours today, they got nailed for 20%. So uh, yeah, energy seems like the way to go for this year. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. How can people find you? 
So on Twitter, the same way we connected, I'm at the frugal gay 11. And if you don't do Twitter, I'm the same name on TikTok. I'm the same name on Instagram. And my website is thefrugalgay.com. You can book a free intro session. We can just talk about eBay. We can talk about real estate, whatever you is on your mind. We can do that. All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you for having me.